Hi, friends. Welcome to the Rock Your Joy podcast. I'm your host, Anya Rock, a woman, artist, entrepreneur, mom, and high-performance coach. I'm working on becoming the best version of myself and inspiring others to do the same. This is my invitation to you to be part of the collective shifting of consciousness. Let's choose love. Let's choose joy. And let's rock your joy one day at a time. Hi, friends. Welcome back. Have you ever finished an interaction with someone and just felt like you overreacted or you didn't communicate your point and you feel frustrated and you start to talk badly to yourself? I know I have. My guest today is Cynthia Kane. She's a mindfulness instructor and teaches people how to communicate better so they're more confident and present in their interactions. She's also the author of three best-selling books, How to Communicate Like a Buddhist, Talk to Yourself Like a Buddhist, and How to Meditate Like a Buddhist. Her work has appeared in numerous publications, and she's here on the Rock Your Joy podcast, and we're going to talk all things meditation, mindfulness, and motherhood. Welcome to the show, Cynthia. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) I'm glad to have you here. How are you today? I'm really well. I feel um, really relaxed right now. I'm really excited because when I think of Rock Your Joy, the moment I like sat down for this, I was like, yes, let's do this. Let's rock the joy. <laughs> oh, so, good. That's an exciting time. Good. I love that. Um, tell us about your journey. Um, you're a meditation teacher, a mindfulness teacher, but what is, yeah, tell us about the journey to where you are and give us a little bit of, I've, I've been doing my research and read a bit of your story, which was fascinating. But for our listeners who are just getting to know you, tell them the journey to where you are. Yeah. So let's see, I used to be, I used to be a really anxious person, a horrible communicator in the sense that I was really very passive aggressive and very reactionary. And I had a lot of difficulty not judging other people. So I was very quick to judge people and exaggerate and also had a really difficult time enjoying where I was in the moment and with silence. Silence for me was a place I felt like I had to fill. And, you know, I didn't know any of this at the time. I just thought that this was normal. I didn't really, I wasn't aware of any of it. And so I had been with my first love for about seven and a half years. He and I grew up together. We met in college. And when we were around 26, we decided it was time to kind of go our separate ways to grow on our own and then be able to come back together. That was the idea. And then we did, we were able to come back together four years later. And uh, we met up in a bar. I was in New York, um, I was living in Madrid, but I was back in New York and he was in New York for a little bit. And we talked about everything. So much of what the issues were for us were around communication, around kind of just the reactionary pieces. And we decided to start again, to see if we could be in each other's lives again, somehow. And four months after that, he passed away unexpectedly. And my whole life I mean, my whole life blew up really in that moment. I, it was the lowest of the low for me. And I was really trying to figure out how to feel better in the world. And 
I was really trying to figure it out, but really wanting other people to figure it out for me. So I was relying on others to make me feel better and it wasn't working at all. And I realized really in that moment of just being, you know, on my floor in New York, surrounded by all these tissues, just that like, I was going to have to do something for myself if I wanted to really enjoy my time here or figure out how to be here in a way that was helpful for me, right? And that's when I began really looking into a lot of things and searching. And a friend of mine had sent me a workshop that was happening at the Shambhala Institute in New York when I lived in New York, a meditation and writing workshop. And I didn't know much about meditation. I didn't really know that much about Buddhism, but the description was really what I was looking for, which was really how to change really your relationship to the thoughts that are happening in your head, right? Because I was filled with so much during that time, so much emotion and fear and more anxiety and more overwhelm and just tons of questions that I wanted answers to that I couldn't find answers to. And everything that I was really you know, getting into at this time, it was wonderful. It just, I was really noticing that it was all coming back to communication for me. And so I realized that if I wanted to change the way that I was living in the world, I was going to have to change the way that I was interacting with other people. And then I was going to have to change how I was interacting with myself. And so that weekend at the Shambhala Institute, I learned meditation and that completely changed my life. Um, I mean, just that first time, it was so uncomfortable to sit there and see all my thoughts. But it was so intriguing because after sitting, I felt different than I had before. And so I continued to do it, even though it was really uncomfortable. And what I began to see was just how it was a space for me to be with myself for the first time ever, uh, without judging myself, but really just allowing myself to have any type of emotion, feeling, thought that I had without it being bad or good. It's also where I learned the elements of right speech in Buddhism, which are tell the truth, don't exaggerate, don't gossip, and use helpful language. And when I heard those, it was almost for me, like, you know, the light bulb had gone off. This is it. Like, this is how I can function differently in the world. These are guidelines for me to follow. Um, so, you know, I woke up the next day and everything was amazing in theory, but then it was like, okay, well, how does this actually, like, how does right. this actually work? Still work to do. Yeah. Lots of work to do to figure out how do you take something that sounds so wonderful to speak in a kind, honest and helpful way and to, you know, become less reactive and all of that and truly implement it. And so that's really how kind of my lifestyle experiment began. And I started experimenting with listening to myself and then listening to others. And so I created this practice called intentional communication and I started writing about it. And then, and then a editor at my publishing house actually found one of the articles I wrote. And then that became, you know, would you want to write a book about how to communicate like a Buddhist? And I said, yes, I would. And so then that started. And then the next book came, Talk to Yourself Like a Buddhist, and then How to Meditate Like a Buddhist. It's all, you know, it's all really geared towards giving you practices that are 
I mean, it's a, it's your way into this world, right? It's your way into becoming less anxious, more present and more responsive and to, you know, leave the, the judgment to the side and just allow yourself to, to connect with yourself so that then you can really connect with others. So that's what brought me, I guess, here to this place. And then it just grew from there with courses and daily ohm and things of that sort. And I love that you talk about, well, first of all, I think when we think about Buddhism, it sort of feels like it's something out there, right? It's something unapproachable, or we have this idea of, you know, monk, he or she living this life very um, abstaining from all of the busyness and things that might trigger us. Mm -hmm. So I love this idea that you're bridging the two worlds and almost teaching the lay person the, right, how to yeah. access this. Yeah. So then it's interesting that your, your real focus on communication, I love you said how we communicate with ourselves, right? And so talk about that first layer of like what's happening in here and how we go from there. So it's really um, starting to pay attention to the way that we are talking to ourselves that promotes suffering right? So suffering in this context can be anxiety, fear, discomfort, frustration, right? Anything that really has you feeling bad, it's starting to pay attention to the stories that you're telling yourself. Because the idea is to drop the story and to truly just focus on the feeling. So listening to yourself First is really about paying attention to the way you're talking to yourself that is promoting more suffering for you because that then does the same in your conversations, right? So if you're telling yourself daily that you're, you know, not a great listener, like I just can't ever listen to certain people. It just doesn't happen. Well, in those interactions, you're not going to be able to listen to them, right? Because you've already created this belief about yourself. And so you're just going to follow it. And so starting to notice what is yours and what is somebody else's. right? And not necessarily, you're not switching the language so that you're talking to yourself in a really positive way, that you're like the cheerleader. But the idea is for you just to start noticing that you're talking to yourself in a way that's not helpful. And then to be able to say to it, oh, wow, that's not really helpful. How can I be more helpful to myself right now? How can I be more uh, generous with myself and more friendly toward myself right now in this moment? And the more that practice begins, the more self-compassion you cultivate. And then you can then be in interactions and somebody says something to you. And instead of taking it as a criticism or taking it personally or reacting, you're then able to really understand, okay, this person said something. I'm starting to tell myself this about what the person was saying. Is that true? Is that real? And so you check in with yourself in those moments to then really move it to the side so that then you can really listen to the other person. So it really begins with you. And you're listening not only to like the voices and voices, right? But you're also listening to the sensation in the body. So in those moments where you're uncomfortable, you feel it in the body. 
right? Um, in those interactions. And you can, some people might feel closed in, contracted. Other people, you know, their chest might beat pretty quickly. Their, or their heart beats fast. Their palms start sweating. So you feel, you start to pay attention and listen to the body. What's happening in this moment, right? Am I feeling comfortable? Am I not feeling comfortable? Is this something that I need to talk to? Is it something that I need to process later? Is this something that I need to just be able to figure out how do I sit in this discomfort? And that's why meditation is really important because that's what it teaches you to do. It teaches you how to see everything, notice everything, not judge it as good or bad necessarily, but just allow it to be there. Right. And I feel like so many people are afraid of that, right? Resistant to sitting and being with all of that. I mean, I think what I hear people say is, oh, I try I try to meditate, but I just can't stop thinking. It's too much. Yeah. It's too yeah. loud, <laughs> right? Too loud, yes. Um, so what do you, where do you go from there? Well, that's the beauty of it. To me, that's what meditation is truly about, right? The misconception is that you have to stop thinking and that thinking is bad. Mm-hmm. And that to me is truly what meditation is. Meditation is all of those thoughts because you are sitting there, your mind is going, going, and you're just noticing them. And when you get caught up in one and suddenly you're into next week or you're into, oh my gosh, what did I even say? Or you're down, you know, in like a vacation you took three years ago and wondering why in the world did I not say something at that time, whatever it might be. That's the beautiful moment because that's when you get to realize, whoa, I'm completely distracted. I'm completely off in another land. I'm just going to see that and say, thanks so much for sharing, so much for being here. But I'm just going to like say goodbye and I'm going to come back to my present moment and focus on my breath or the sound or whatever the anchor is, right? But that's like that to me, that moment where you notice your distraction and then you come back to the present moment. That is the most beautiful part of meditation because that's where the teaching is in so many ways. Because in that little moment, you are teaching yourself how to be kind to yourself. You're teaching yourself how to be out in the world, have so much chaos going around, distraction, things coming in. And instead of you know reacting to it or hooking into it, you start to see it, acknowledge it, come back to your present moment. So that little moment, that to me is like the gold of meditation. Thinking is great. It's just when you get caught up in the thought, that's when you have to be able to say, there I am, I'm caught up right now. And I'm just going to come back to what my feet are doing, my hands are doing, my present moment. And it's the same in conversation, right? The way we are in meditation is the way we are in communication. So Mm -hmm. So you mentioned going to the Shambhala and sort of the that center and this Buddhism starting being the spark, really that inflection moment. But for those that might not be as familiar with Buddhism even, and there's so many realms of meditation, what really about Buddhism made you land there and stay anchored in that practice and in that philosophy? Tell us more about Buddhism itself, I'd say. Yeah. So what I love about Buddhist philosophy is I consider it to be more philosophy. That's where I am with it. Um, In that it is a way to help yourself suffer less. It's a way to 
help you and others suffer less in that you learn how to change your relationship to things that aren't going well. Change your relationship to what is, right? What I really love about it is the idea that the moment you start to push against what is real, right, reality, the moment that you start to notice that you're clinging to something or um, attached to something, it's very easy to see that that causes discomfort, that that causes, that can cause suffering, right? It can cause a lot of anxiety if you are really wanting something to happen and you're attached to the outcome of it, right? And you're wondering, is it going to happen? I don't know. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. But it's that attachment. So what I love about Buddhism is the idea that attachment causes suffering. So to me, it's very practical because you get to, you have these guidelines that basically say, well, see if you can loosen your grip here. See if you can soften to this moment. And instead of pushing and wanting it to be different, see if you can just let it be what it is. And that to me is so freeing because if you can, if you can practice it, right? And by practicing, I mean noticing when you are trying to fix or trying to force or trying to push or trying to make something different and you you can relax your grip around that the like the weight the pressure you feel the responsibility you feel you start to really see what is yours i mean what's really yours to take on and what are what are other people's responsibilities right and i also for me what you know, keeps me practicing is just the benefits in my own life, right? You know, I'm, I have a little bit of mental chatter, but not really. I know how to change my relationship to my thoughts. And I know how to access the present moment now. And before I never was in the present moment, I was constantly caught up in like future or, you know, on my couch, eating lots of Chinese food, wallowing in. Scrolling social media. Yes, scrolling <laughs> social media, right? right? All of that. Distractions and, all over the place. Yeah, I yeah. loved distraction, right? Yeah. Well, they're an addiction, right? Yeah. And they're, mm-hmm. we know that. I think we know that intellectually, but I don't think we know what to do about it in real time, right? In an understanding. What I love that you're saying is it's it's a practical tool, yeah. And I notice for myself and I'm um my husband and I both meditate in the morning now as a practice and so we joke we you know when something is activating either one of us in our home life you know he'll be like it's just consciousness and its contents babe. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fine. <laughs> yeah. But it is a tool for every day, right? And um, as a mom, you're a mom, yes, yes. A wife, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a life outside of yeah. sitting. And I think it's, that's where it matters, right? It matters that we have access to the present moment. So how do you, how does it play out? I mean, I, I think I, I've been thinking a lot about motherhood lately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, when I was thinking about talking with you about communication, particularly my kids are growing up and and I've got a almost a, a double digit. We won't call her a preteen yet, but she's double digits. And one of the things I think about a lot is how to model really positive communication with her. 
So how do you kind of take this, this thing that can seem really abstract and bring it into, you know, what would you give advice to like a mom who's struggling with just some of the overwhelm right now that many of us are experiencing? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and it is so true, you know, with all that is going on in the world and all the added responsibilities and pressures that we now have. So I really believe in seeing your day as moments and seeing transition periods throughout your day. So I think it's really helpful in the morning before you wake up, right? You're like lying in bed, basically. I think it's important in those moments you're up, but you're not out of bed and you're just there and you're just still and your eyes are still closed. And if you can start to, you know, take a few deep breaths, cultivate a bit of gratitude for your kids, for your partner, right? For your bed, for like the coziness of the blankets, right? And then see if you can set an intention for the day with how you want to connect with your kids or with your partner can be really helpful. So saying to yourself, okay, today I really want to practice being patient. That's the practice I'm going to bring into today. And so then at that point, it's really your anchor for the, for the whole day. So you start to pay attention to when you are not being patient. So in the moments where you're rushing to get things done because you know you have to get here and, you know, your kid is just not interested in your timetable, right? (laughs) When you notice that you're pushing Mm. and your voice changes, right? That's the moment for you to say, oh, okay, here I am. I'm getting impatient. I can feel it in my body. I can feel it in my language. I can hear it. Now it's time for me to see what would bringing patience to this moment look like. Can I relax into this moment? Can I drop the need to push? So I think, you know, having an intention for the day is really helpful because it can be your anchor. The other piece is, you know, also to remember that it is the moment that you realize it that is the beautiful moment because that's the moment that you get to change the behavior if you want to. So same experience you have sitting. Yes. Where you go, oh, I'm on some vacation three years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's that it. same and, moment. And so it's almost as if your day to day, you are in your meditation practice. So you start to notice what is distracting you or what is irritating you. And in those moments when you notice it, you're not like, gosh, why are you getting this way? Why, like, why are you being impatient? Why are you forcing? Why are you pushing? You know, all of that language that comes out, like, you know, especially after the fact where maybe you feel badly about the way that you said something to your, your child, right? We don't want any of that, right? We want it to look like, okay, that's what happened. That was the moment that I was in. I'm not a bad person. I'm a really good person, right? We want to come out and be like, I love you even more now. I just want to be really kind to you so that then you can then extend that kindness out. Um, So it's not about noticing what you're not doing and beating yourself up for it. It's noticing what you're not doing and saying, okay, that's my cue for doing something differently. The other thing that's helpful is 
I like having visual cues throughout my house. So there are certain things that I'll look at that I have designated as like present moment objects. So when I look at my paper towel rack, like when I look at my paper towels, that is like, take a moment, be in the present moment, feel what your hand is doing when you're going to reach for the paper towel, when you're going to rip it off, right? What does it feel like in my hand? It's for me, slowing down, paying attention to the moment that I'm in and taking a deep breath. It's the same thing anytime that I walk into the bathroom on our first floor. Anytime I open the door, it's just, this is my, my moment to go slowly, to open it slowly, to walk slowly. So finding things around your house that even if it's just something that you look at, but instilling that object with the present moment awareness so that that becomes a way for you to pause throughout your day and stop throughout your day to just be here. But I truly believe it's really noticing when you are, if you think about what you do during the day, like if you rush through things or if you get really frustrated or if you get really just stressed out and overwhelmed. Yeah. Frazzled, right? I feel like there's scattered, right? Kids, e-learning, working, home. Mm -hmm. We're being pulled in a lot of directions always, but now I think especially amplified. Mm -hmm. And so for you to think of them as moments. So if you can give yourself to just one moment and then leave that moment and give yourself to another moment. So when you are helping your kids e-learn or with the virtual learning, if you are, say to yourself, this is my time to help them with this. That then means that anything outside of that is a distraction. So if you start to notice that you're going to your phone to check social media, or if you're going to check emails, then and you notice it, you're like, oh, distraction, put this down, come back. And if you have to, you know, if you have work calls during the time where you're trying to help with e-learning, then it's seeing if you can breathe through the switching of gears. So you're kind of in that moment, you're using maybe your child as the present moment and your work as the distraction or the work is present moment and your child is the distraction. But you get to choose throughout your day, okay, this is going to be a distraction. This is going to be my attention. Because you can't, you can't have your attention on everything. It's just, it's impossible to feel any type of earth beneath your feet, right? Any type of grounding um, if you're everywhere. So seeing if you can go between two things with your attention. Fascinating. I think I hear you say this a lot, the word practice, right? This, this re this emphasis on just continuing to come back, just keep coming back and with grace and empathy for ourselves, ultimately and kindness. Yes. And that was a beginning again, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you can always begin again. Mm-hmm. And so where a lot of us get stuck is we get stuck in, in talking to ourselves in a way that makes us feel worse about these situations. And so that's the practice is to notice, okay, now, now I'm upset at myself because I wasn't able to be a hundred percent present with my son and a hundred percent present with my work and get the laundry done and clean the, you know, dishes in the sink and put the sheets on the bed. 
So for us, it's noticing that that happens for us and to be able to say, I see you. I understand that you're, you're upset right now at yourself, but this is our time to actually like give ourselves a big hug and be like, I'm with you. We're teammates here. Let's be good to each other. Yeah. And do you have the same, you mentioned being really anxious before. Mm-hmm. I think anxiety is probably whether low level or intense right now for everybody. And so do you feel like the same tenets really apply for the word anchor, I think really stuck out to me, like this idea of anchoring us. Cause I feel like anxiety is always kind of high. And so do you teach the same thing in terms of bringing anxiety in just to anchor ourselves to something present? Yeah. So with, so with anxiety, with emotion, so much of what tends to happen is to push it away, to be like scared of the emotion, right? To feel the anxiety, but we're not really feeling it. We're angry at it, right? Like anxiety is bad. I'm anxious. I'm stressed. And so what we can do instead is we can sit with the anxiety. And what I have my students do is that with anything, you know, with anxiety or fear, is to close your eyes and name everything that you are anxious of. Like absolutely everything that you are anxious about, anything that you are fearful of, and to name it, to say it out loud, to feel it. Because you you have to feel the anxiety. You have to feel the fear. You have to feel the emotion for you to get to the other side of it. And so what that, the exercise that I have students do is, for them to close their eyes and they visualize their hands kind of being held out in front of them and they say their fear and their anxiety in the moment and they put it into their hands and it creates an object, right? Like a tangible object. And then they, they put it down. They put the object down and they give it over to something potentially greater than themselves. You have to be able to sit with the anxiety. You have to allow it to be there. And it's super uncomfortable. Oh my gosh. When it's so uncomfortable. I remember the first time that I experienced anxiety sitting in meditation. I I mean, I didn't want to sit with the anxiety, but I did. And I didn't die in that moment. You know, and that was that was a really amazing experience. Um, because it does show you, it shows you your strength. Yeah. If you can sit with sit with those emotions. So mm-hmm. your resilience. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. And I think it's something we don't celebrate we don't celebrate those pieces of ourselves, right? We reject them. And instead the practice there is when you notice the anxiety, it's not ugh like getting angry at yourself for being anxious. It's being like, thank you. Thanks so much, anxiety, for showing up. So happy you're here. Let's talk about it. Like, why are why are you here? Mm. Right? Sounds like you're building a relationship with that emotion, right. almost. Yeah. One of kindness. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> kindness and gentleness, and um, you don't have to understand it. You just have to see it and acknowledge it because it just wants to be seen too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So you have three books already, courses, you're teaching. Are you working on anything new? Any other books coming? So that is a good question. Um, I don't know what the next book will be. If anybody has any suggestions, let me know. But right now I run a training program. Um, It's called the Intentional Communication Training Program. And it really teaches you how to become less reactive and be in difficult interactions. And um, instead of letting the emotion that rises kind of guide your interactions, really learning how to access yourself in the present moment to be able to speak in a kind, honest, and helpful way. And that's really my love. So all of my energy is constantly focused there. And we are growing, and I'm really excited about that. Um, There are now instructors that are going to be teaching the training as well. Um, So there will be more than just me, and that's exciting. And so that's all all pretty new and moving. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Great. And so a big business, kids, life, teaching, you know, an author, coming on podcasts. How are you rocking your joy these days? Where does, how, where does joy show up for you? Mm, so joy for me is dancing around my kitchen and in my living room. And I mean, I love putting on music and just rocking it out. Like to me, that just feels incredible. I'm also, you know, I love, I absolutely love working with students. It is amazing to see people in the beginning who aren't able to express themselves and, you know, who have a lot of fear around speaking are very anxious and then they move. I mean, it's just amazing to see at the end of the training where people can get to, to me, that is that's me rocking my joy when I get to work with people. Um, and then, you know, these moments with my kids that I get now with, you know, I mean, the virtual learning, but the time in between the virtual learning, you know, and my kids are little, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And so, you know, lots of Legos and Raya is my little girl. She's one, you know, she's in that like stand-up phase, sit down, almost walking kind of thing. So you know, I, I really have been enjoying just how simple it's all become in a way. I really have. But yeah, I'd say, I mean, whenever anyone talks about joy, it, to me, it's just like, I put on some, oh, what what's is your it? favorite song? So right now I'm really into the song Give Love by Andy Grammer. Is that his name? I don't know. Oh, I love it. The first verse verse is amazing. I think you would really appreciate it. Okay. Um, And then I've also been really into The Five Secrets by Beethoven. There's something about this that just, I mean, it just builds and then it drops and it builds and it drops and yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Dance parties. We were just reminiscing about dance parties with our kids when they were little and yeah, it's, you can come is. over post COVID. Yeah, <laughs> and dance with my kids because yeah. we got a lot of that going on over here. It's a beautiful time. Savor yeah. it, enjoy it. Yeah, I I really am. I'm really enjoying it. So good. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And we're gonna put all of your contact info in the show notes so people can find you and learn from you and find ways to 
to be more joyful and find their anchors in the present moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Thanks for being here. You're so welcome. Thank you. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. Feeling inspired and want to share the joy? Leave a review so others can find the podcast more easily. Want to hang out more with me? You can find me on the interwebs at www.anyarock.com. That's A-I-N-E-R-O-C-K. And I'm also on Instagram at Anya underscore rock your joy. Till next time, rock your joy. This episode was produced by Dante32.